Welcome to 90% Mental. I'm your host, Grant Parr, and thank you for joining us for our 17th episode. You know, a couple months ago, I read this really cool book on culture called Culture Defeats Strategy by Randy Jackson. And after I read this book, I started to realize maybe I should do a podcast or a podcast series on the mindset of team culture, how you create culture, how you sustain it, how you protect it, and, and dive a little bit deeper into the nuances of culture, especially from a football perspective. So I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to get some really cool coaches to talk about the subject. And lo and behold, I ended up actually reaching out to Coach Randy Jackson, who wrote this book, and he was more than willing to be on the show. And I'll be honest with you and to my listeners, this coach is not only innovative, but just a just a really down-to-earth guy that loves kids, loves to develop football players, and just really loves culture. So I'm really excited to have Coach Randy Jackson out of North Forney High School in Texas to, to share about what he believes what is good culture and healthy culture and how he went about creating this model for team culture. And the really cool thing I like about having this conversation with Coach Randy Jackson is that he basically calls his culture an earn it culture. And when I go back to the other episodes I've had in the past for this four-part series, you had Coach Patrick Walsh that called his culture more of a feel culture. You had Coach Matt Ray define his culture as more of a character culture. And Coach Justin Allenbaugh from De La Salle High School basically called his culture an effort culture. So it's interesting when you look at these different cultures in the same sport, how you have feel and character and effort and, and earn it. And I can only imagine all the other cultures that are out there that exist, what kind of, you know, what's the makeup of that culture. So again, this is a topic that I love so much to talk about. And I am so excited to have Coach Randy Jackson on my show and he's got incredible stories and insight on just creating culture and going about really creative ways to get buy-in from the athletes and the community and, and, and the administration. So I can't wait to have you guys listen to Coach. So why don't we go check out Coach Randy Jackson and hear what he has to say. Hey, Coach, how are you? I'm great, Grant. Thanks so much for having me on. You bet. I'm, I'm really excited to have you on my show you know, I'm going to let my listeners know a little bit on how you and I got connected. And I don't know if you know the background a little bit, but I was working with a high school football coach here in California, and we're working on some things on how he could build his culture. And when he started telling me that he was reading this book called Culture Defeat Strategy, he's like, you got to read this. So I started reading this book, and I couldn't put it down, not only because culture is one of the things, and being a football player and playing quarterback – Back in the day, culture to me is just, it's exciting to build it and be a part of it. And I think it's very vital for the identity of a program. And so as I read this book, I was like, man, I need to start, I really need to get this guy on my show, but I need to do like a like a four or five part series on culture and get some really cool coaches to talk about culture. So, you know, obviously we're going to get into your book and, and your thought process on culture, but I just want to give a little background that you know, your book is the reason why we're here, and I'm so excited to, to hear your thoughts on, on how to build culture. Great. Yeah, I appreciate it, Grant. I really do think that that I got in it 27 years ago, and you could get the edge by just being great in the weight room or 
uh, you could out-system people a little bit, but now everybody understands how to lift weights. Everybody understands strength and conditioning, and uh, there's so much information out there on the Internet or whatever. People understand X's and O's, and so I think really do believe this at the bottom of my heart. The new frontier is the mental game, and people, it's the way to get the edge now because everybody doesn't. They don't pay a lot of attention to it. I, I went to Mississippi Coaching School the other day and spoke, and uh, the guy who asked me to come said, hey, Coach, we're going to bring you back next year. He said, we just don't have a lot of people that think like this. It was just not a, a slam to Mississippi or anything. It was just but just a huge, you know, compliment, and I, I felt good about it because he's right. Uh, that's the way to get the edge because people just aren't thinking about it for the most part now. Right, and, and I agree with you. And, and what I'm finding as well, when I'm working with high school athletes, I, I see it in college, more so in college, more so obviously in the professional level or at the professional level and you know, Olympic level as well. But I know in high school, I think a lot of the administration, a lot of the coaches, a lot of the parents, they know how important the mental game is. It's, I just, it's hard to, I'm not seeing a lot of, a buy-in on putting the resources and the money on bringing people in to to enhance the the mental game and i'm seeing it in some programs but you know when i'm going to other high schools it's it's kind of foreign or they're just like ah, i don't know if i really want to spend all that money or have somebody else kind of interfere with the coaches so it's it's slowly but surely gonna it's getting integrated into the culture but i think at the high school level i think it there's an opportunity for it no doubt, and I and I agree with you. It's cost prohibitive. Um, I mean, that's one thing. And I'm a very black and white person. Um, I, I'm an, my my uh, history or, or background is offensive line, where it's very rule driven. And so when I read a book and it says you need better culture and all this, well, I agree with all that. But unless you give me strategies, you don't help me a whole lot. And mm. so. In my book, I really try to say, hey, here's here's why core values are important. Here's how you do them. And uh, so, anyway, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I think the more people can put out there of here, here are distri- distinct take-homes that will help you, then I think you have a chance to get it going. And, and people just can't spend $1,000 to have somebody come speak to their team for an hour or something like that. And that's why I think this book has been really well received and 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 benefited people. A hundred percent. I think, you know, being a part of of many cultures throughout my athletic career and also in my corporate career, the way that you go about creating culture, it's it's incredible. I think you you really nail the head from A to Z from. How you create culture and buy-in from the to the athletes how you get your coaches on board and the things that you you have this coaching culture that has to exist as well and the way you hold everybody accountable and some of the things that that and we'll get into it i don't want to get into it too much right now but the things that you do uh, how you execute it and just certain things that you think about within creating culture to me there's a lot of there was a lot of new ideas and so for me it was exciting so I hope that athletes and coaches that have a chance to listen to this podcast, check out the book, they're gonna I think they're gonna get a tremendous amount of value out of it, hundred percent. Well thank you. Perfect. Well, before we get into uh, the nuts and bolts here, um, I always start off my 
my podcast to set the tone here from a mindset standpoint, um, I always ask all my guests, what does mentally tough mean to you? Well, for me, it is being able to get over a mistake. I mean, it's being, um, you know, I, that's one reason why we play so fast that I'm a big believer in tempo is we just want to be relentless and snap the ball and snap the ball because I really think it takes a mentally tough person to to be able to, to, to say, so what, next play, take a deep breath and get ready. And so uh, there's a lot of great definitions for mental toughness. Because I, and I'm one of those that I do believe. I love the name of your podcast because I do I do believe that sports in general is physical and 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 your body and, and you know you you got to be strong and all that. But but your mind is what controls the physical. And so for me, mental toughness in the mental game um, is just you know like I say that's the new horizon and all. And so so for us, our guys, we're going to be mentally tough. We're going to be in shape. Uh, it means we're going to be able to to overcome obstacles and overcome mistakes and go to the next play and and wipe the slate clean. Right. Absolutely. And you know, it's I love asking this question because there there are many many definitions and perspectives on what mentally tough means, and and we all have a different perspective on it. And I, and I thank you for sharing that with me. I just love the whole idea of being resilient and like you said in any situation how can you deal with it and let go of it and um so it's great i appreciate your your thought on that when it comes to culture it's interesting because there's a lot of it takes some time to to get culture to get people bought in and for someone like you that's been coaching for 27 years you've you've actually have had a really really good track record at many schools which is really not heard of it's hard to to go from one school to the next next to the next and have really good results like you have been and recently you just changed from you switched from great grapevine high school to north forney how's that transition been for you uh, it's been you know and it's funny you say that because most people just cringe when I tell them about my career, but I think that I'm like above drawn to a light <laughs> and I want to go start, like I'm like an evangelist or something, I guess, but, but it just fascinates me. It's like a laboratory. And so when I got to Grapevine in 2014, well, I'll just give you a real quick history. I got to a place called Mesquite Poteet in 2010 and they were one and nineteen when before I got there, and we went twelve and three that first year. And of course, so many things had to come into play. But that's the first time I ever got. I mean, really, we were picked ninth in a nine-team district, and I told myself, "Okay, we're probably not going to be very good." I got a bunch of kids from one-parent homes. I'm going to get real intentional on leadership development, and getting them to love me and, and feel good about being on the team. And, and if we do, I hate to say it, but if we do suck for a year or two, at least we'll enjoy each other. And so we just had a magical year, and uh, we, we got beat in the state semifinals by two points. And, and again, I, so I know it was part of the recipe, and that's where it really, the light bulb went off uh, to get intentional with it. Then I went to uh, – to Grapevine, and uh, they weren't very good when I took it. And you know, most jobs that are really good, they they don't come open. 
And right. uh, but but I really don't know if I would ever be attracted to trying to just keep one good. Uh, so so at Grapevine we kind of did it the old fashioned way and. And we had to build it slowly, but we went uh, – the third season I was there, we were 10-2, and, and and the culture was a lot different. We were a lot tougher and more white-collar kids there. And so in North Forney, I'm kind of to, – to, to take a long time to answer this question, but um, I feel like I've really grown through the years uh, from 2010 to now. And so uh, I, from just stumbling upon stuff at – in 2010 to being very much more intentional now. And so when I went into to North Forney, uh, they were, again, the school's been around since 2009, never really had a winning season. And they were four and six last year. But so the first thing we did was go in and I, I think you really have to commit to, to spending 15. Well, I mean, I hate to say, I know everybody doesn't have this kind of time, but we spent 15 minutes a day in leadership development and a classroom setting, made them take notes, and really started the brainwashing process of what our culture was going to be. Brand, I mean, I really like this term. We branded North Forney football from, from I got there February 27th, and we branded it from, from that day and, and every day. Uh, how, how can we convince them and feel good about being North 40 Falcons. So I'm not sure if that's exactly, I mean, I can go into, man, I can go into exactly all the different strategies we've used and, and I might take up the rest of the episode, but however you want me to proceed with, with what we've done at North 40, I can, I can go, you know, knee deep in. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, we'll definitely get in that because I, I definitely want to understand a little bit uh, more so about your core values. I mean, reading from the book, I have a, I have a really good sense of it, obviously, but I want uh, my, my listeners to kind of get a better sense of your core values and the structure and the strategies that you use. But b- before I get into that, though, what was, can you share with me, what was the culture like at North Forney on your first day? My first day there, um, we ran, we ran three 200-meter dashes. And I let them have rest in between, and we had 15 kids throw up. So it was unbelievable. I mean, I couldn't, you know, not to be negative, or, but they were out of shape. Um, the locker room was filthy. I'm a big believer in coaches being in the locker room after, after the – so this our athletic period was right before lunch. And so I went into the locker room after the athletic period was over with, and I could tell they, they weren't used to that. And uh, so there was a – I mean, there's a lot of talent there. We've, we've got a lot of talent. but um, So basically it was just one of those things where the kids were really strong. I mean, they had done a good job in the weight room. The kids were hungry. I mean, there's a bunch of good men on the coaching staff, but uh, I just didn't think there was a lot of intentionality on the little things. So that's the first thing we had to take care of was – and I'm going to talk to you a lot about relationships and kids laying in traffic for you and all that, but until we could – get them in shape and get them tough uh, and get them cleaning their locker room and doing the discipline things, then, then we didn't worry about the relationship until we, you know, it was about a month before I got into the relationship stuff. I had to get them tougher and more disciplined before we worried about that stuff. Was there, was there any kind of um, pushback at all from, from the athletes having a, a new coach come in, a new way of, you know, thinking and doing stuff? 
were, were most of these athletes, were they open arms about it, or did you have any kind of pushback? Well, you're always going to have a little pushback, but I think I, I think when it, all, all the coaches out there listening to this, if, if, when you decide to take a new job, you have to make sure that there's certain things in place. And this is a hard one, but what I inherited was a pretty good senior class who hasn't won, and they were hungry. Mm. And I don't know how you can find this out before you take a job, but, but these guys were hungry. It helped me because uh, – the team in 2010, Mesquite Poteet, that we had the great turnaround is in this team's district. It's like 10 miles away. So, for lack of a better term, I had a bunch of street cred when I got there. Mm. And so so they were ready. Uh, they just didn't know. And so, for the first month, I, I must have said it a thousand times, hey, this is not your fault, but it's going to be your fault eventually. So, let's go. <laughs> and uh, so, for the most part, uh, they were hungry and ready to go, and and uh, you know we had a we had bumps in the road, but but not too many. Like a lot of coaches out there listening, you know, you just got to get through that whole first season and get those seniors out of there. You know, I really do think it takes two off seasons to really get your culture really established. But but uh, we've had a good summer, and uh, I think that this first season we'll, we'll have a chance because uh, they, they did not push back too much because I think they're, they're hungry and they, they see that, that, that I've got a track record and I think they're, they're willing more to buy in because of that. Definitely. And you make a great point where you have, obviously you're, you're, you're actually fortunate to have a good group of seniors because sometimes you have to go, like you said, go through a couple classes before you really see the culture thrive and, and, and the whole, not only the team, but the administration and, and parents and the community really are, they've seen it for a couple of years and they're buying into it. But, but you have a really good group of seniors. So that's, that's a little bit of luxury there that you can start off building your culture with, with good leadership and good men. So that's a, that, that's a good position to be in. Yeah, that's a, it's a big help. And, and, I don't want to get off track here too much, but there's so many, you know, I talked to the booster club. Hey, we've got to have, you got to fascinate guys. And so you got to make them feel good. When you take over a program that hadn't been winning, once you get the discipline and the toughness and you, you get them, I mean, we, it took us a month to, when we would get them tired. I, I want them to stand a certain way with their hands behind their back, their feet together. And I wanted their toes barely touching a white line on the football field. And I would say, I want you to touch the line, but don't be on it. It took us, I, I promise you, it took us one solid month for 60 kids to do this. Mm. And that just sounds mind-blowing. But once you get that done, then you say, okay, we're going to get new uniforms. You know, and then, then you know, so you got to do, it takes a little bit of money. It really does to win. Uh, I, I think to change the culture, if you have a little money to begin with, it helps. You know the core values and all that stuff we're going to talk about doesn't take money, but so so you know we we're, we're buying the new uniforms and we're doing that kind of stuff too, and I think that is a help too as far as if you want to turn it around the first year. Definitely, uh, yeah. When you have some money, that that definitely helps big time. You know, when it comes to culture, before we get into the core values, and this is just going to be a very straight, plain question, but. What does culture mean to you as a head coach? Okay, great question. And I love that question because 
culture is one of those words that's just thrown out there so much. And I, here, culture is how you think, how you speak, and how you act. So culture is like, here's a great analogy for me, culture, if you were to look at an aquarium, and there's two aquariums side by side, and one of them's got cloudy water, and one of them's got really clear water. You're not really sure exactly what's in that cloudy water, and you're not really sure why that other aquarium's really clear. You just know that both of them are, are what they are. Mm-hmm. And so I call this the five-minute rule, but if you were to come to North Forney and spend five minutes with us, you would know what our culture is. And so, you know, it's it's kind of like, and this is, but in 1964, Supreme Court Justice said, you really can't define porn, but you know it when you see it. And uh, I say that when I speak at clinics and uh, kind of get a little chuckle out of it. That's really what it is. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's people coming and seeing that we're all saying the same thing. I call it Falcon Ease. If you were to come to North Forney, uh, you would see us. I mean, we're, we're not there yet. I've only been there since the end of February, but there was a reporter that went to, to Seattle and interviewed multiple people in the Seahawk facility and said they all speak fluent Carol. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I love that. I, I mean, and because, you know, he's got a great culture there. And so we're all trying to get our guys to speak fluent Falconese. And I think when you do that, I, I, I think here's a litmus test I'll tell coaches. If you want to know if you have a good culture or not, ask your team questions. And if you get the same answer from everybody on your team, you've got a pretty good culture. But if you ask them, hey, what what is tough or what is like blue collar or what does juice mean to you? And if you're getting a bunch of different answers, that means you you haven't you got work to do to make sure your your guys are all thinking the same thing. Right. Absolutely. When you have a team that's bought, I mean, that's when you truly know when a team is bought into the culture when they're speaking the language and living right. it and living it and living it. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Now, there's so much to your approach, and there's so many great things that you do as a head coach when it comes to culture and building culture and sustaining culture. But talk to me right now about um, about your core values of your culture. Okay. So we we are going to have five core values, and you got to let the guys be in on this. So what, whatever you're in on, then you'll buy into. And so um, – so when, so when I got to North Forney, after a couple of weeks, I started, you know, you got you to gotta start the brain. I call it the brainwashing process, but you got to start using words. And so I, I said, okay, well, you send a Google form out or however you want to do it. You can do it on sticky notes and organize those. But I'll say to them, hey, guys, when we play our biggest opponent for us, our biggest rivals, Forney, then when that game is over with, what do we want them to say about our team? Or you could phrase it another way. If we were to beat our biggest rival, what do you think is the number one reason why we would beat them? And uh, so you're going to get all these words like brotherhood and unity and tough. And I mean, but I mean, you got 75 kids out there and you're getting these words and then you start organizing them and grouping them up. And then those are what your core values are. Now like I say, you can't go in there the first day or you're going to get things like pride. And there's nothing wrong with the word pride, but it's not, it's not a fascinating word to use for a core value, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's not a measurable thing or whatever. But so, so, 
and honestly, you can kind of manipulate this. So our core values, and I assign ours to a day of the week. So on Monday, ours is juice and tempo. So juice for us is energy. Uh, tempo is we're going to do everything fast. We call it Falcon Fast. On Tuesday, it is compete. On Wednesday, it's blue-collar toughness. On Thursday, it's family. And we, you know, and, and so that's our ring finger. And that's the only thing that goes to your heart. On Friday is discipline, and we take our pinky finger and we point it at our at our sternum and say, "Hey, you can count on me." And and so we we have a little hand routine. And and really, anytime we have a competition, we add two more core values, and that is finish, and we hold a fist up in the air, and then payday. And it's kind of like punching that clock, and we're going to get paid, and we slam our fist down. So we have a I know this is so hard probably on the radio, but we have a hand routine. And, and so our thumb is juice, juice and tempo and our index finger is compete. And, and it's like, so we take our, on juice and tempo, we take our thumb and we're like stirring the pot and on, and on compete, we take our index finger and we point me versus you. And on Wednesday is blue collar toughness. We take our middle finger and we grab our, we grab our collar. And on Thursday is, it's family, and we do our, our our ring finger, and then and then the the, the discipline and, and finish and payday. So I hope that was made some sense to you. But so that's how we do it. But our kids, our kids, our players, they they were a part of this, and so it's very important. So once we had find we figure out what our core values are going to be, and those are a little bit different than grapevine, not a lot different, but those are our core values. And then I would take and talk about every one of our core values. And so I would take three days and just talk about what juice is. And and we have a deal we call Juice Factory, where all the kids are jumping up and down saying, yes, yes, yes. And so we introduce Juice Factory to them. And then I'd spend three days and talk about compete. And then I would take three days and talk about blue-collar toughness. And once we did that, so it's, this is taking a while, but it needs to take a while. And then I would ask them, hey, let's define these words. Because if you can't define something, you can't achieve it. And so, I mean, it probably took three weeks to talk about these seven core values. And then we defined it. And, again, we did it through, hey, a Google form. And, and we let kids, you know, type in what they wanted to. And, again, you can kind of manipulate it. But so that's our creed is all of our core values defined. But, so the biggest thing I guess I want to make sure everybody understands is uh, if you just give them some core values, like before I learned how to do all this, and I just want to give him a plug. I learned this through Brian Kane, he, and, and he's a mental coach, and he's a good one, uh, works with SMU football and TCU baseball. And so before I learned this, I would just do it. You know, I'd read Pete Carroll's book, Win Forever, and one of his was Be Early and we, well, I just used some of those things, and but but we didn't, we were an inch deep and a mile wide, I guess, and and there mm-hmm. weren't there was no value to them. I mean, if you would have quizzed our guys, they wouldn't have known. I guess they might have known what our core values were because they were on their locker plate. But now, man, when we changed that, then it became something real to them. And those kids at North Forney, I mean, for a team that's never really won. They they know what our program's about, and if somebody asked them, "Hey, what's no, what's what are y'all about?" They could they would quote our core values. I mean, they would know our creed. 
big deal. It's a big deal. I mean, that we we don't we're an earn everything program, so they won't get stickers on their helmets until they can do that hand routine, until they can do our creed. I mean, define every one of them. Uh, that's how they that's how they get uh, they you know like I say they never happened before, but uh, there there'll be some plain helmets week one if they don't know how to do that. I love it. I love the approach. And, and for my listeners, when you have a chance to to pick up this book, Culture Defeat Strategy, on the front of it, it shows a, a football player wearing football gloves on each finger. The core values that coach was talking about, they're they're written on each finger. So so you'll get a better idea and a better picture when you see it, actually. But what I love, what I really love, there's a few things that I love about this. I love that you have family on the ring finger. That that signifies family, brotherhood, you know, and, and how that marriage of the football team and culture and how special it is. So I remember when I was reading that, I'm like, how cool is that, that, that you actually uh, place family over the ring finger? And the thing that I also like about it as well is that maybe because I'm a quarterback and I played for so many years and communicating in the game of football was, was, was using our hands and using hand signs and gestures. So it's just really cool that you've taken your core values, you put them on your hands, the, you know, the hands do all the work, most of the work, and, um, and you guys use it to the fullest as far as the way you guys communicate within the program. So I think that's very innovative. That's very cool. Thank you. Yeah, I think you have to, if you can attach a physical, you know, a physical trigger to something, it helps you memorize it also. So, you know, if I just ask our guys, hey, here's our core values, I need you to define them, that would be a lot harder than it would be if, if there's a, like, say, a, you know, a, a hand routine. And, and uh, yeah, it's, a, it's something that just gives them a little bit more ownership. And, and, and like you say, uh, you know, for us to take our middle finger and grab our collar mm-hmm. on Blue Collar Toughness Wednesday, and we'll, that's, a, that's a lot easier to remember. So I think, I think there's so many great words you could use. You know, grit would be a good one. And, and you could maybe take your fingers and rub them together like, like it's a grit, something gritty between you, but whatever you decide to do, you got to give a, you'll help your guys if you give them a physical trigger. And, and I think there's a lot of different ways to do it, but I like doing the day of the week uh, because on Monday, when I talk to the team, I'm going to talk about juice and I'm going to talk about bringing the energy and Monday can be a bad practice day. I mean, it's probably that all across the nation, you know, Monday <laughs> practice. And, right. and so, we're, we're going to have a juice winner at the end of practice. I'm going to ask the guys, "Hey, who is the most juiceful?" And we're going to we're going to uh, we're going to celebrate that one or two or however many guys get get. You know, I'm going to ask the coaches, "Who is the most juiceful guy at practice today?" Um, at the end of the week, we're going to have award winners, and we're going to have a juice winner on Tuesday. I'm going to talk about compete. We're going to keep score during practice. So there's a theme for each day, and there will be a winners. And the guys that go out for the coin toss are going to be – you're not going to go out for the coin toss if you weren't either – I mean, I can't have seven guys go out there, but there will be there will be a, a four winners basically, and and it will be juice, compete, blue collar, and family. And those will be the, the coin toss guys. So it's just a way for you to organize your week. And, and man, I – I've been doing this for a long time, and there's been days before I've, I've stood before my team at the end of a Wednesday practice and, and kind of winged it. And uh, 
Well, now I don't because I know on Wednesday I'm going to talk about blue collar toughness. So I just think it's a it's a good way to help you as a coach too to to kind of to kind of organize everything. Like on Thursday is our family day. On Thursday I'll, I'll I'll have kids. I'll say, hey, you must go take a picture with your favorite teacher with your arm around her if she'll let you, and and post it in our. Uh, we have kind of a a, a a text group that I can explain to you if you. And it's called WhatsApp. And so every kid has to take a picture on family day. The next week it might be take a picture with your favorite administrator. Uh, the next week it might be, man, you got to take a picture with your mom and post it. And I'm telling you, if they don't post it now, we bear crawl them. I mean, none of this is optional. And so it just gives you a way to organize your week and your core values. And, and again, there's a lot of good ways to do it, but that's, that's how I've chose to do it, and it's worked really well for us. Yeah, I love it. I love the, the fact that – you streamline it, your culture, you provide structure to it, but it's a way for them to live it every, so you know every week, every day of the week, what you're living, and I, and I, I truly, I love it. I think it's, um, I think it's very creative. I wish I had that when I was playing ball, um, or a part of this type of culture, and I was also wondering as well, when you're coaching on the sideline in the middle of, of a game, with using these these hand signals, if, if an athlete is lacking, you know, uh, aggressiveness or toughness, or they're not competing, do you usually use those hand gestures during the game? Can you, do you communicate that way? Or is it more, just more so during practice? You know, it's really just more so during practice, but I don't think that's a terrible idea at all. You know, I really don't. I, I don't, I, I could see if, uh, if a kid wasn't being competitive, if a DB wasn't going up and high pointing the ball, uh, taking your index finger and saying, "Hey, man, you got to compete better than that." I mean, so I don't, I, I could, I could see where the uh, that could be really useful. Yeah, absolutely, and and it, for me, it's just because I'm I'm so into hand signals my whole my whole career, and I was just interested if you guys ever do that. You you also bring up how you earn things within your program. Yeah, well, we just have a earn it mentality, yeah. and I, I just think that there's a man. You know, the, the everybody gets a trophy deal, and and so like we do some uh, anything we can do to earn things here, we're going to do it. So like when off season, when football season's over with, we're going to put a white T-shirt on every kid, and it's going to have a big question mark on it. And that just means we don't know about you. We don't care if you're a three-year starter. Because uh, you may have fallen in love or something and not care about football anymore. And so they're all going to wear a white T-shirt. And after about seven weeks, we're going to start letting them earn their way into the varsity locker room. And uh, so we'll pick two kids, and they'll have to know everybody's name on the team. They have to be able to do our creed, our core values and our creed. And then they do three combative wrestling kind of deals. And whoever wins two of them, they go to the locker room. And uh, – the first kid gets into locker number one, and then after the next day, I'll go in there and I'll say, hey, who do you think ought to be in locker number two? And he'll give me, we'll decide on a couple of names. When those two guys are competing, they got to know the, the core values and the creed, everybody's name, they're going to wrestle. And then, boom, he gets in there, and they, they get to take their white T-shirt off with the question mark, and we give them a nice compression shirt. And uh, so those are, that's one way that, that, that we earn things. Again, they're going to earn their decals. Uh, if they come to enough summer workouts, 75% of our summer workouts, they get a like a bowl game patch for their jersey. 
and uh, we call it Earn Your Badge. And so, and most of our kids will get it, but uh, it's one of those deals where they all won't. But anything we can think of that they have to earn, like I really used to just send out guys for the coin toss and not put any thought into it. And now it is, uh, you've got to, you've got to earn your way in through being one of our core value winners of the week. And so I really think that's a big deal. If you're, if you're going to be a blue collar, tough, earn it, uh, kind of team. I mean, again, it just depends on what you want your identity to be, but a lot of kids nowadays, I mean, it's not their fault, but, uh, you know, they, they don't, I mean, if they don't have an iPhone by the time they're in sixth grade, they think they're the only kid in America that doesn't have one. And, and so I think that, if you can teach kids to earn things, uh, it'll really help your culture. A hundred percent. It teaches, man, just, just, just that piece of your culture really conditions these, these athletes to be men and to grow into, into strong men. I've been, I've been around a lot of coaches and a lot of programs and, you know, especially just coached at Sarah High School out of San, San Mateo, California. And the head coach there, Patrick Walsh, is all about the same thing, about about earning, earning your job, earning it, earning it, earning it, and, and how that's going to shape you as a young man in college and in, in your first job and as you, you know, get a family. And it's just, um, it's just good life skills. I just love it. That's right. I mean, we're just, we're, we're, we're enabling them if we're not making them earn things and uh yeah we're we're just we're just not gonna i mean our guys they don't get to pick their number until after summer workout so if you want number five and you've came and somebody else wants number five he's come to more workouts he's gonna get it right and uh well that's pretty tough you know but uh we're we're going to we're going to earn things at north forney and like you were saying, we're going to make better men out of them because of it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it, it kind of reminds me of, and then I read this uh, not uh, a couple years ago actually, but it reminds me kind of the thought process that Urban Meyer has um, within his program, and I, and I want to call it, I want to say that he calls it the the color code. Oh man, it's it's basically the the colors of Ohio State. So he would have, you know, gray and white and black, and you start off at, at the gray color. Everyone is at the gray color. And if you do certain things that, <clears throat> that you earn, whether if it's, you know, the GPA or getting a certain GPA or you score a certain amount of touchdowns, whatever it is, then you go up to the next level of color but you get things with that color. So if you want to wear a, a towel during a football game, well, you have to earn that. And you have to be at a certain color level to earn those certain things. If you want to have your own table during lunchtime or you want to have certain, you want desserts during summer football, whatever it is, you have to, you have to earn each level of color to have these certain things granted to you. Oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah love it. Well, and and I think you know that that is that is uh, uh, if you recognize people and make it important to them, then you got a chance. And, and I know you know everybody wants a helmet sticker, and and we do things like that for grades. We have helmet stickers for grades and all that. And and but 
for the guys who are getting things, you know, the two guys are and they're getting the same thing that who hadn't done the same. Uh, it's not sending a good message. Love it. Right. Exactly. What do you think? What do you think makes your culture special? Oh well, here's what I. Why well, that's a great question, Grant. But in a nutshell, here's what I. I, as, the, I as the head coach, I make sure our players are going to be blue collar, tough, and earn things. We're going to play hard and fat, and that is my number one job. And I'm, but I'm going to hire assistants who they will lay in traffic for. So now my assistants, we talk about this in staff meetings. I mean, if I, the players have to get the same answer, no matter who the assistant they go to, but, but as a head coach, it's hard for me, like in the summer, in the summer, I take about six to eight kids every three days and I take them to lunch and we talk and it's great. And it's the time I can spend with them. But for the most part, the assistant coach is the guy who has to make sure that they don't want to let him down and that they will lay the term I use lay in traffic for him. So I really think our culture would be one. We have, a, we're a two sided program and it's blue collar, tough, earn it. And we hope nobody wants to play us. And the other one is we're a program that they can't live without. That's the, it's tough but meaningful is what I call it. And so the head coach, I think, has got to be the tough. And he's got to make sure. And uh, the assistant coaches have to make sure that they're the meaningful and that the players are laying traffic for them and, and, and they, they'll die for them. And so uh, I think that's probably the, the short version if I could give you what our culture is, is, is we want to make it where it's something bigger than themselves. I mean, we're going to do community service, and we want to, we want to change the school in North Forney, but we want to do it through blue-collar, tough, earn it, and relational laying traffic. Beautiful, beautiful. And you know, when you think of the game of football, you think of toughness. You have to to play this game. You have to be you have to be mentally tough and physically tough. And and that word is thrown out a lot. But I want my my listeners to really understand that when athletes are going through or playing for you, these athletes really embrace the fact that you need to be tough. And and if you can, if you can share that story that was um, there's many stories in your book, but the story about the running back who. It was just a tough kid, and he ended up playing, I think, without one of his tendons in his knees? Yeah, yeah. So this kid's named Manuel Gonzalez, and wow, uh, one of the best things about this book was getting to write about a few kids like this. I don't even know if he's read the book, and uh, this was in 2001, a little to Mason, Texas. It's in Central Texas, 200 students in the high school. And Manuel was about a four eight five running back and linebacker. We started the year 0-5. We were picked last in the district. And I think this is a great point, too, is whatever you tell your team every day, they might do. So every day I told our team we would make the playoffs and win a playoff game. Or, you know, we would win a gold ball. Every day, 0-5, and, and that's hard to do, you know, 0-1, 0-2, 0-3. So we were 1-7, we were and, and three teams went to the playoffs. 
and we had to win our last two games to get in, and we won both of them. And neither team was great, don't get me wrong, but neither were we. And so we won two games, I think, because we just told our team every day that we were going to go to the playoffs and win a gold ball. And so they bought into it. Uh, we played a 9-1 and team in by district and beat them 14-13. to And But anyway – Week eight, Manuel tears his ACL, and he is really like our top two or three guys. I mean, he is a servant leader, great guy. I mean, the heart of it. I mean, he's he's our guy, and uh, so we win these games without him. We win by district without him, and and by district, I'm telling guys, if you'll just a leader provides hope, and Man, I just tell our team all the time it's going to be okay. We took a guard in by district and made him our fullback. I mean, he wore number 54 in the game and because uh, he had to do more than one thing. And we were in shotgun most of the time. But the bottom line is we just told our guys it'd be okay. Hey, guys, we're going to put in two trick plays. They both worked, you know. And so – but anyway, so Manuel is uh, – the, 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 the people told me, hey, we can take – we can take his, his his ligament out, and he can play, but he really can't cut much. And then when the season, you know, then we'll put it back in. And maybe the second round he can play. So bottom line is Manuel got to play a little bit. We got beat 41-14 to 14 and in the second round. And uh, I just remember Manuel coming up to me. Toss Sweet was our big play back then. He said, Coach, can I just run – 24 smash one more time and and then we talked and he limped up in the hole and got tackled for a couple yards and but those are the kind of guys you know that those are those are the reasons you got to have some of those kind of guys uh, if you're going to be one and seven and 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 make the playoffs and one about it even though he wasn't in you know the whole but so yeah th- those are the kind of guys you got to celebrate and and I think that earn it culture helps you helps you help you maybe develop some guys like that absolutely i mean just listening to that is just pure toughness right there man oh yeah yeah pure toughness you know and it's i don't want to digress but it's it's funny when you're talking earlier about you know the message that you're trying to portray to your team you know kind of just beat it beat that message every day whether if it's you know the, the core values or we're going to playoffs we're going to playoffs whatever that that external thing that we're trying to push, but I want to share with you a little bit. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the episode with uh, Coach Patrick Walsh from from Sarah High School. We when we were playing last year, we started zero and four, and we had an incredible team, but we were just we were getting killed by teams that were in top ten in the state. But we were zero and four, and we were supposed to win our art league, and it was just is fascinating going into our fifth game. We were sitting there in the coach's room, and the, and the head coach, Coach Walsh, comes in, and he goes, so who's ready to go to the playoffs? And you could just, you could tell all the coaches are like, what? <laughs> and he's wearing this, he's wearing this turkey sweater, and he's been wearing this turkey sweater ever since summer, and he's got three or four different kinds of turkeys, um, the Holy Trinity, so there's like, there's, there, I, don't know, I can't remember what it was, a turkey and a Bible and something else, but... But his goal was is that I want to, everyone to buy in to having 
having Thanksgiving together. Because if we're all having Thanksgiving together, the very next day we're playing for the CCS championship. So he, so that was his deal is to wear this. And there was times we had practice. It was 95 degrees, 101 degrees, and he's wearing this sweater. And so while he's been wearing this sweater and we've been getting our butts kicked, he comes in and he's just like, oh, who wants to go to playoffs? And it was just, it was, it was great because I'm like, yeah, I want to go to playoffs. I mean, I want to get better, and I want to focus on what we can do now. But I, yeah, I want to go to the playoffs, and and the the team like never wavered away from the culture. They bought into it, and it was special because when it came when it was Thanksgiving Day, and we ended up eating together, it was like to see that vision being followed through and have everybody believe in it. Administration, the parents, it was beautiful. It was like really beautiful. Yeah. So. So yeah, just really interesting how powerful when you when you're beating down, not beating down, but when you're hitting home on the message that you want. And with that being said, as a head coach, how do you how do you integrate the administration and the community and parents into your culture? Well, we do the best we can as far as getting people involved. We have on the night before a game, we have a deal called Polish and Pray. And we invite the moms to come in and polish their son's helmet, leave a pray over his locker, leave a note in his locker. Uh, we kind of hope they'll spray some Lysol and make it smell a little bit better in there. And, <laughs> and uh, so, we, so, so we got moms doing that. The next day on our game day morning, we have a thing called Breakfast with Champions. And we, we invite the dads to come. And, but we, the best part about it is I get men who aren't dads to adopt a player for the season. And so they come and they sit next to their player. The dads are in the back. We show a highlight video from the last week, a five-minute video. We have about a 15-minute motivational speaker slash devotional. We talk about core value award winners, the game coming up. And so, of course, you know, we have booster club meetings and things like that. But uh, I think you have to get people uh, to – they have to see the good things that you're doing. It can't just be about X's and O's. And so uh, next week we'll have a – I encourage everybody to do this, have a moms a football one-on-one for moms. So uh, we'll do that about 10 days before the, before we start two-a-days. And, and it's just, you know, football safer than it's ever been. And but because of the press, no one believes that. But helmets are better than they are. Equipment's better than we're all hot tackling now and taking the head out of the game. Uh, Texas, just like California, probably every state has a a state mandated protocol when there is a concussion. So I have a doctor come in and talk about concussions. I have a nutritionist come in, and um, we have our OC and our DC talk and. Uh, I have an, this the the thing they love the most. I have official come in and they get to ask the official questions and so so that's a the more you can put your message out there and get the parents involved, the better you are, all, the better off you are. And just again, it's it's all about buy-in and people won't buy in if they can't participate a little bit. That that's it. That's exactly right. <laughs> great point. You know, and it's funny, not funny at all, but you make a great point about how far we've came as a as a community within football as far as the safety piece. And I'm sure that you've read just recently a few days ago on the you know, the CTE results that 99% of professional football players 
have CTE. And, you know, and that's alarming. And, and, and I think it, what it can do is, is really deter people from the game of football and bringing and not allowing their kids to start playing youth football or high school football because of that. And I do understand that. But if people can really understand that if, they're, if their athlete is within a culture like yours and gets to play the game of football, it's more than X's and O's. It's more than, than you know, touchdowns and tackles. There's so much, like, you, like we said earlier, you're, you're treating, not you're treating, you're allowing kids to grow leadership skills, communication skills, learn how to, to work with them with the team building skills. It's just there's so much that you get from this game than, than just scoring and winning in championships. And I just hope that, you know, again, I want everyone to be safe. And I, and, I, and I understand that CTE is real. But I just hope it doesn't deter people from supporting and getting involved in the game of football. Yeah, and, you know, and there's a study out a week or so prior that there's zero evidence of CTE from guys that just played high school football, you know? So, uh, man, I, I think, but like you say, there's, there's so much good. We, we tell our parents that their son is in a leadership development program that happens to play football. Mm. And so it's pretty strong, you know? And, and so when we say that we have to back it up, but we, we tell our, we tell our players, Hey, we're going to help raise you. And so I tell him, I, I've got a son who doesn't play football. He's a wrestler. And I said, he's a good kid, and he's a good kid because I raised him, and, and I'm going to help raise you. And so I think that allows you to coach them a little harder if, if you'll tell them, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm helping to raise you. And when you go get a job and say yes, sir, and no, sir, and shake somebody with a good handshake and you look them in the eye, you're going to beat somebody out who didn't play football or didn't play baseball or whatever and because they didn't learn how it really is to be – you know, a legitimate, you know, adult and, and look somebody in the eye and be a real man about it. And so uh, I think the more you can talk about those kind of things, I mean, I, you know, winning's a byproduct. I mean, there isn't any, any magic winning. It's, it's about the team that's going to play the hardest and be the most disciplined and all that. And, and your culture is what allows that to happen. And, and, and that's when, you know, everybody's so wrapped up into going to a clinic and learning the next RPO and, Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney did not play against each other because they both had some secret play. It's because of the culture that they've created. And I love college football. I've never been asked to coach college football, but at the high school level, I really think we have a chance to help raise. We really have a chance to help raise them. And uh, I think that the risk, the risk involved is certainly is outweighed by us helping raise future leaders. Big time, a hundred percent. It's uh, I think the game is crucial, and, and to be honest with you, uh, people like you and, and what you're doing is very crucial. And, and I'm I'm thankful for being a part of this this community, um, having coaches like you and putting the the love and the attention into players. I think it's just remarkable, and it's um, it's awesome. It's awesome. Well, thank thank you very much, Grant. You bet. Now. Who do you think holds a culture accountable? I, I, a lot of people say, well, coaches do. But wh- who do you think, at the end of the day, holds the culture accountable? Well, I think it's the players. Uh, now, we do our best, but I'm going to plug a book uh, called The Captain Class. 
Hmm. Are you familiar with this book yet? I'm not, but I'm going to write it down. <laughs> oh, it, it's it's just come out, and so this I'll try to say this real. You know, I'll I'll try to not to spend, but so a guy named Sam Walker studied the dynasties in the sports world from like 1900 to now, and he defined what a dynasty was, and it was only pro sports. And so I'll just say this real fast, but basically the the 50s Yankees the 50s and 60s Celtics, the 70s Steelers, the 90s Spurs. And so he said, what, what, uh, there was U.S. women's soccer, but there's 12 teams, but is there one characteristic that defines all these teams? And he said, you know, if we can figure this out, then we can help make more dynasty teams. And he said, so the first thought it was they all probably had a great coach. Well, they didn't. And so then he said, well, they probably all had the best player in the league. And they didn't. And so, like, like the Celtics of the 50s and 60s only had a top 10 scorer one time, top 10 in the league. And so it's not about having a great coach or a great – and it's about – he figured it out. It was they all had a captain who was a, had certain characteristics. And the big characteristics that all these teams had was a captain who was a servant, who was a water carrier, who uh, was the uh, – the hardest worker on the team and would hold the, the standard, but they were arm around captain, you know, like, so Tim Duncan is really a great example. And when I have these lunches with my players every three days in the summer, I talk about this book and I talk about what a dynasty captain is. And if we're going to have a great season, it's not because I got hired at North Forney. It's not because somebody's going to have a great statistical year and our quarterback's going to, it's, we're only going to have a great season if we have a bunch of dynasty captains. And so to answer your question about the culture, it's, it's got to be we got to have a bunch of players who are Tim Duncan, who, who are there. So another characteristic of these captains were they didn't care about publicity. They weren't – it's kind of like Bill Parcells telling Tony Romo a decade ago, I don't, I don't want a, a um, celebrity quarterback. And so – I think if you can put it out to players about here's what you're looking for, you got a chance. And so, so I, I really think it's fascinating. If you're going to, the, the number one thing all of us need to have a great team is to have a bunch of servant, hardworking captains who, who don't care about being famous, you know, or, or being in the newspaper. And so um, those are the guys, that's your culture guys. And so as coaches, I think we got to find it, see if we can get as many dynasty captains as we can. But when it all comes down to it, North Forney, whether we have a great year or not, will be as many, how many guys can I buy into being a Tim Duncan, Bill Russell, uh, Jack Lambert was the guy on the Steelers. How many of those guys can, can we have? Then if we have a bunch of those guys, we have a, a big chance. We don't have many, we don't. You know, it's it's funny there's – you know, I, when I've coached the last couple of years, we have we have a name for that as well, um, and, and I think it's kind of universal when you when you got the dude on your team, and when you have enough dudes, or there's another name we call them a gold nugget stud. When you have a gold nugget stud yeah. that that just that is a leader, and that is you know just totally knee deep into the culture, totally bought in, holding people accountable. It's it's again, it's one of those beautiful things. You're like, wow. It's inspiring when you see a 17-year-old acting very adult-like and really bought in. It's awesome. 
Well, and that's what, man, I, I, I really want to coach 20 more years because it's counterculture. You know, I, I mean, there really, there is so much honor in our, we're trying to get kids to, to not worry about how many likes they get on Twitter. And we're trying to get kids who, who want to be servant leaders and, Man, that's just not what our society is about anymore. So uh, that's what fascinates me about my job is I've known these kids for five months, and how how can I brainwash them into being anti-culture or counter-culture? And if I can get that done, we got a chance. And and uh, that's what I just want to get. It's not it's not some magic play that I came up with this summer or, or went and visited somebody and got it. It's it's how can I get them to be more like what those captains describe in that book are and and man that's that's a that's a neat deal because uh, that's really hard to get done. Yeah, but when you can, it's it's a beautiful scene, man. It's it's a beautiful experience. It is. It is. <laughs> you know, before we we end here, again, a lot of good stuff in your book. But there was one thing to me, maybe because I'm very kinesthetic, um, that stuck out the most, which I thought just the fact that you have awareness on this particular topic and approach. But you talk about the the power of how many times you touch uh, a player and and how championship teams, they have, there's some studies on you know how many times the players are touching each other and coaches are touching the athletes. And and you have d- adopted this within your within your culture. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that? Yes, sir. I think that's a great question. I I, I thought it was fascinating when they they did a study, uh, and and the two teams in 2010 that went to the NBA Finals were the Celtics and the Spurs, and they broke it down. And those two teams touched each other the most of anybody in the NBA. And the next year, in 2011, the Mavericks won it, and they touched each other the most. You know, and I'm talking about, like, when a guy makes a free throw, those guys will walk and they'll high-five them or whatever. And, and the team that touched each other the least in 2010 were the Charlotte Bobcats, and they had the worst record in the league. And, and so here's what we talk about. We talked about this actually just today in our coaches' meetings, is relationships, only 5% of the people have a real re- intimate relationship most of us are on a very informal relationship and that's the hi how are you doing i'm good and you really don't even look at each other and so uh one of our coaches said today and so i want to give him credit for it but uh don't stop and talk i mean don't speak to a player unless you're willing to stop and make eye contact with him and talk to him so we that's one of our so we're not going to walk by a player and say hey how's it going and keep walking i mean we're going to we're going to high five kids uh we're going to we're going to put our i mean i'm I, it's a big deal for me i do think like i physically want to touch as many kids as i can a day by putting my hand on his shoulder you know just as i'm walking by just putting my hand just physical touch is a big deal but i think you got to stop and look them in the eye and, and when you speak to them and don't just walk by them and, and have that informal conversation with them, I think if you, the, the more you can just keep that in mind and be real and, and, and look at them 
and just give them 15 seconds. You know, I really think back to when I played. I had some great coaches, but I don't really remember too many conversations where we looked each other in the eye and had a meaningful conversation that wasn't about football. I don't, I don't think I had many of those. So I think that's a big deal. If you want guys to lay in traffic for you, uh, you got you, you to gotta high-five them and touch them on the shoulder, and, and, but then you also have to look them in the eye and have some meaningful conversation with them. Yeah, I mean, teaching these athletes to be purposeful in the moment uh, is is a, great, and to develop, you're teaching some great skills there. And and, and again, I don't want to keep on bringing up uh, Coach Patrick Walsh, but you know, because I just spent a few years, you know, within that program, you know, he very similar. He's very touchy feely, and any, he, but he's also very communicative when he says love. And every season when he has the parent meeting. He says this, he goes, if you do not like the fact that I'm going to tell your son that I love him on a daily basis, then he should not be on my team. Oh, great. And, wow. and when he said that, I remember it was the first parent meeting that when I was a few years ago, and I was sitting there, I'm like, how awesome is that? It's just, it's like special. But then when you're in the weight room and when you're, you know, after, after every practice, he always says it. He goes, listen, guys, I love you. I love everything about you guys. And... And so and he says that to the coaches all the time. So there's, it's funny because when you th- when you think about this game, it's it's so it's about toughness and it's about grit and, but you know we don't want to talk about love. But he's the opposite. He's like, no man, this you play this game because why? You love it. So guess what? I love you, and I'm actually I'm responsible for you on this field, and I want the parents to know that I love them as much as they do. So so it was just kind of a cool concept on. Just the, the touching and how powerful it is and, and the way we communicate with our with our athletes, it's important. Yeah, and I, I want to say this, Grant, too, and, and uh, I hope I'm not talking too much about all this, but just today, so what we do in our coaches' meetings, we have a question a day that we all answer, and it takes over an hour. So we're going to spend over an hour every day in our preseason meetings, getting to know each other as coaches and opening up and being vulnerable. And I mean, we'll have guys who they'll, 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 they'll cry, you know mm. I mean? So like the question today was, uh, who's the number one person in your life that's been the most in, who's the most influential person in your life? Basically, who's the person who's most responsible for making you be the man you are today? Mm. And uh, it takes a while. I mean, we're going to – we've got uh, counting middle school coaches and all. There's about 22 of us in there. And probably took, honestly, about two hours for us to answer this one question today. But, but I'm writing down everybody's answers, uh, and most of them were their dad. Mm. And it's just a reinforcement of all of us. If your kid doesn't have a dad, your players – I mean, who's pouring into him? And so all these great coaches that I've got, they're, they're squared away men with families. Uh, I mean, I didn't hire anybody who's not a pretty good guy and uh, they're trained on the track, so to speak. Well, all those guys pretty much had a dad who poured into them. And so I think just to reiterate um, what a great – opportunity we have but also what a responsibility we have to make sure that somebody when 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 your player gets asked asked that question 20 years from now 
who's he got? Who's he going to say? Because if he doesn't have a dad, or if he doesn't have a good dad, then he, man, he it needs to be the, a coach on your staff, you know. So, um, just real, real important. I mean, I really thought we'd get a few. This is the first year I've asked that question, and I thought there'd be more coaches. Honestly, it was ninety percent dad. Wow. So uh, we we have a we have a big job. Big job, but you know it's 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 definitely gratifying, a hundred percent. No doubt, most yeah, most important job in the world, you know, and and uh, and that's why that's why it can't all be about X's and O's. And um, I think winning gives you a voice, and it's important. And and but uh, twenty years from now, nobody's going to come back and tell you what a great RPO you gave them. <laughs> right. And so so. Um, yeah, it was really powerful today to hear those men talk like that. Well, it's awesome that you allow them, you give them the space um, within the culture to do that. I think, you know, uh, I, I work with a, there's another performance coach that works with a lot of NBA, NBA players. And when it comes to vulnerability, he always says, victory to the vulnerable. And because he, he was just, you know, it's awesome because he says, you know, basically it's the birthplace for innovation and creativity and change. And if you're going to, if, if, if you want to do those things, you got to be vulnerable. So that's great that you allow them to, to have that platform and that space. Thanks. Yeah, it, it's just another example of we have so much to do. We have so many things to talk about, you know, the first day of practice, to hand out equipment. We have, but, but to spend two hours with us getting to know each other a little better and being vulnerable. And uh, we've got one more question, and that's, that's tell us your life story. And that one will probably take about three hours, and but it'll be three hours well spent because uh, you, you know, you just yeah, you just can't have a great staff, and if you don't love each other, and you can't love each other without getting to know each other, and I think it all goes down. So we'll do this same activity with our team, mm-hmm. and we'll ask them these. And the first question is is, hey, who's your first girlfriend? Why did you break up? Or who's your first pet? You know, they start pretty easy. Uh, and then they get a little deeper, and but uh, I encourage everybody listening to to do this with your with your coaches and your team, and and man, you really can break down some, you peel back some layers of the onion, and really get to know each other. Big time, it that right there is very powerful, and, and I hope that coaches and athletes that are listening to this, um, or anybody managing uh, groups of people, is to you know definitely listen to this, and hopefully you can implement it and take some you know some little nuggets here and, and implement it into your culture um coach can we i know you're on social media how can my listeners uh follow you on social media and, and possibly and also get a hold of your book okay well my book uh is on amazon it's also on uh, coachrandyjackson.com. um on social on twitter i am coach jackson tpw so I'm 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 a Twitter guy, and I'd love to connect to people. Um, you can email me at coachrandyjackson at gmail dot com if you ever want to talk culture, and and I'd be happy to. Uh, my best friends are coaches who, who like culture, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm always I'm always wanting to connect with somebody who wants to talk culture. That's great. Well, this this is truly one of my favorite topics, and. I, I'm honored that you made time to come on my show and I really, really love the things you're doing. I've, I felt like I learned a lot from reading your book, but just hearing it from you, the author, is just, um, 
it's I'm very grateful and and I just keep doing what you're doing. Um, I'm gonna be following uh, your success at, at North Forney and 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 uh, we'll be sending some good thoughts to you guys and hope you have a great year. Thanks, Grant. I I mean I know uh, it's a big deal to get to be on this podcast and uh, what a big honor. Thank you so much and I appreciate what you're doing talking about these kind of things uh, it's just helping it's helping the athletic community and i appreciate you allowing me to be on well thanks again coach talk to you soon all right grant thank you